to address our congregation. And so we talked a little bit more about that. And and what we what we're doing today is, as you see, we're going to be coming to the table here in a little bit for communion. So we're having a family conversation and a family meal. Most of the good conversations my family's had have been around the table. Okay, so in a sense, we're going to gather around the table, and we're going to have a family conversation and a family meal. And different members of the family are going to kind of lead us in this con- in this conversation. Okay, so if you guys want to go ahead and make your way up here. Um, Several of the uh, several over the last few weeks, as we've been talking about um, what it means to be captivated by God's majesty, what it means to be captivated and enthralled and have as our heart's primary affection the glory and majesty of God. And when we see God for who He is and recognize that He has extended to us undeserved grace, undeserved kindness. When we see that this glorious, holy God has extended to us, rebels and sinners, his saving grace and his sustaining grace every day, then our natural response to that should be a humble gratitude. So when we are filled with this love for God and enthralled by his majesty and thankful for the grace that he's given us and living in that attitude of gratitude, if you will, then that's going to bear the fruit in us of generosity. And I have learned over my life as a believer and over my whole life, even before I was a believer, what that ought to look like in regard to our walk with Christ. I saw it in my mom and dad. I learned it from them. And likewise, I've learned it over the years from people like you see seated up here on the platform, okay? So that's, that's what we're going to do today for a few minutes. And a part of it is, is simply to encourage, as JT was saying as he prayed, we have, if you're a member here at Westwood, some of you are members here, some of you are not yet, you're praying through that, you're thinking about it, some of you may just have showed up here today and go, they do this kind of thing all the time? No, they don't. They don't. Um, in fact... Quickly, the last time we did anything like this, my mother was up here on the platform, okay? She had been diagnosed with cancer, and we were talking about suffering. I'll never forget it. We were talking about it this weekend. We were talking about suffering, and it was homecoming. And the conversation went a little long for Mama, okay? So right in the middle of our conversation, she stopped in front of God, the congregation, and everybody and looked at me and said, Is it about time to eat? So, yeah, you remember that. So I was rebuked by my mama right here in front of everybody. But so we'll do that again today. So anyway, where was I going? Oh, in our relationship here as members, we've made a covenant agreement together. Our commitment to one another is that we're going to walk in a covenant relationship. And a part of that covenant relationship relates to our stewardship. That because God has been gracious and good and has entrusted to us all things, he's called us to a life of stewardship of those blessings. And we can learn about that from each other. And that's, that's, what, we're, that's what we're going to do for a few minutes here today. So um, what we're going to do is just kind of go back and forth, just really having a conversation, okay? So the first question that we had, I had sent to these guys and we had talked about this week was a pretty general question, and it was um, just give us a summary, a quick summary of your biblical stewardship, of your lifestyle 
of stewardship. Give us a summary of that, how you do it, why you do it, that kind of a thing, okay? So um, that's what we're going to do. Gary and Brenda, you've been around here about the longest of anybody up here on the platform, so you go first. Okay. Um, it was a life-changing event for us. It really caused us to, to practice tithing and biblical stewardship. Um, we became Christians in 1977, but by 1990, we weren't tithing. We were givers, but we weren't tithers, you know. So uh, we moved from Texas to North Carolina in 1989 and came here to Roxborough. And by 1990, the company I worked for had gone bankrupt. I found myself without a job. And, you know, we just bought a house, got two young boys and all the expenses that go with that. And all of a sudden, things didn't go according to the plan that we had. So I thought maybe I'd start a little home improvement business. And I started doing some of that. And we did work here and there and elsewhere and a little bit of, little bit of um, income from unemployment. And we found ourselves in a pretty good financial bind and without work. And a lot of the blessings that go with all of that. And um, Brendan and I sat down and talked about it, kind of, you know, we don't know what to do here. Um, we can't even afford our house payment. We can't afford all the other things. And I don't know whether it was teaching here at the church that got us looking at it or not. But we ran across, we ran across this biblical scripture found in Malachi. It's chapter 3, verse 10. But I want to read 10 and 11 because you might be familiar with 10. 10 says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke their devourer for your sake so he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field. He said, man, the Lord said, try me. Some versions, I think the uh, King James might say, test me, test me in this. And so we said, you know what? The Lord says he's going to provide. So we're going to we're going to be faithful. And we began to tithe when we had no money. And as a result of that, we had money. And I can't explain that at all. But Brenda will tell you a little bit more about that in a second. But I can remember during that time, we're talking about 1990, I remember going to Van and Tammy Long's house. And um, they were new at the time. And we were there. And we got talking about this. And I remember telling Van, I can get my checkbook out of my pocket right now and I can write you a check for $1,000 and it won't bounce. I, I, don't, I can't explain that. I can just tell you that in God's math, two and two doesn't always equal four. Right. And there were some more things that Brenda will tell you. I know I have to be quick. Well, listen, who's saying be quick? He didn't save you much time, but you've got to talk fast. Okay. You can do it. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, during that time, I kept saying, do I need to go back to work? Do I need to go? I, I had quit work to stay home with the boys. He, Carrie and I had decided that. You know, I needed to stay home with the boys and be there for them for whatever. And at that time, I kept saying, do I need to go back to work? Do I need? And he's like, no, let's just see. Let's just see. But during that time, y'all, it was amazing. We never missed a house payment. Guys, we paid off our credit cards. Yes, we did. 
and still there was money. I mean, now, granted, people from the church helped. Please, people, if you need help, come to your family. We are a family. Come to your family. We're here to help you. We had someone had killed a cow, brought us food, brought us a big cooler of meat. Um, it was getting Christmas time. I said, oh, it's going to be, and then we explained to the boys it was going to be slim pickings, you know, pick your favorite thing. And someone gave us money for presents for the boys. I mean, it was just every time we turned around, it was just a God thing after a God thing after a God thing. And that was a huge blessing and a huge eye-opener that you cannot outgive God. So let's go from the oldest to the youngest, Travis, Hannah. I thought you were going to work your way down the line here. Nope, sorry. <laughs> this is Travis and Hannah Vaughn, by the way, if some of y'all don't know them. Yeah, um, so mentioned being the youngest up here, it seems like a little daunting task. Um, but um, anyway, so we, um, we grew up in church. Uh, we, we have examples in our lives of people uh, giving and being generous. Um, and um, we've always, um, in, in our younger years uh, have been, uh, feel like we've been generous with our time. Um, uh, and I guess I'm specifically talking to uh, about, you know, the high school age where we started dating and I started attending church with uh, Hannah's family and, um, you know, we, I feel like we, we gave our time uh, and then fast forward a few years, we, you know, we started earning income of our own. Um, and that uh, was about to, you know, not long after we started attending Westwood regularly. Um, and so we knew um, from uh, examples in our lives, models in our lives, that you know, we, were, we were supposed to give not only just our time but financially as well. Um, and, but we were, at that time, it was giving out of uh, obedience, uh, but you know, growing uh, in our walk with God and um, learning more from Scripture, uh, you know, that... that Obedience, uh, which we're called to do, to give out of obedience as well, but it, it also turned into giving out of a heart of generosity. Um, and so, um, you know, we give give to the church. We give to uh, some uh, ministry opportunities in the community. Uh, but one thing we've been kind of focused on um, in our giving is um, there in Second Corinthians, Paul tells us, "See that you also." Excel in this grace of giving. So not only just give, but give well. Um, and I don't, I don't know. That's talking to the amount uh, more so than to, you know, be sure where your money's going is, is for, you know, a good cause, a good purpose, right? Uh, further in God's kingdom. So uh, we um, are since, since having kids, we haven't really had a um, both kept jobs at the same time Hannah went out you know staying with the boys um, and uh, most recently uh, we've had the opportunity for me to go back to school uh, and I think I'll get to speak to that here in a few minutes Um, but just maintaining consistency in in giving uh, and and not only just staying consistent but having a goal to increase our giving um, and relying on God to to meet the needs um, as we do that. Uh, and I think um, I, I spoke a little bit about financial giving, and Hannah's going to do a little bit about time, <laughs> if she has time. I think I have time. And also, I'm like Brenda. I can talk fast. Um, yeah, we do give financially, and Travis was able to talk to that. But we also like to give our time. Um, 
So some ways that we like to give our time are as um, co-hosting a life group. Um, thanks to Al and Melissa, we only have to host every other week, which is such a blessing. Um, but we have been hosting um, for about four years, um, and that has really been such a blessing for us. But, um, you know, it is a, a way that we give our time and um, use the resources that we've been provided. Um, and then we also have been serving as the middle school Sunday school teachers for since August of last year. Um, prior to that, I helped um, my sister in the twos nursery, and just serving in that way has been such a blessing. Um, but mostly when opportunities arise where people in our community or our family, um, really anyone in our life needs help with something, we try to make it a point to go and be there to support them and help them in any way that we can. Um, we also, you know, try to make an effort um, to help our deacon families um, when they reach out to us. And I know that we recently got a new list of deacon families, so we look forward to reaching out to each of you and helping you in any way that we can over the next foreseeable future. Um, so just having that open heart and willingness to, you know, show up for people, um, I think is so important when we're talking about giving. Ben and Liz, I appreciate your calling uh, Gary older than me. That really made me feel good. Uh, I just said he had been here longer. <laughs> Didn't I? I'm not sure. Yeah. So, Anyway, so going from the youngest to the most experienced. Uh, so the question was, give us a quick summary of your practice of biblical stewardship and why you do it and when you started. So I have to say that my parents taught me uh, biblical stewardship to begin with. I can remember getting $2 and a quarter allowance, and the quarter was for biblical stewardship. And that was tough for a kid like me because you could buy a Superman and Flash comic book and still have money left over for five Tootsie Rolls. So, so those were some of the thoughts that went through my head the first time I ever put anything in the plate. Uh, but I'm going to fast forward a little bit because I became a Christian in high school. Uh, and Liz became a Christian about the same time at a different place in her life and, and at UNC, of all places, she found Christ. But uh, um, I gave, you know, through that Christian portion of my life, but was not a tither. And when Liz and I got married, uh, we went to a seminar by Larry Burkett, who's kind of the forerunner of uh, uh, Dave Ramsey. And we learned what it really is to be a biblical steward. And he talked about, of course, time, talent, and treasure which they've already alluded to. And we've always strove to be uh, more than tithers. Um, you know, every year, you know, when, when, every year I come to my tax time. Liz does the books and I do the taxes. And being an engineer geek, you know, I look in terms of percentages, and it's always been more than 10%. And some years I would think, hey, we're going to make 30% this year. And then at the end of the year, we'd do our taxes, and it'd only be 18. You know, like Gary and Brenda said, you know, you can't outgive God. And and so, uh, just a couple other things I'll add is that, you know, in the Old Testament, it talks about tithing. It doesn't really talk in the New Testament about tithing. But the thing that's uh, uh, always uh, in the Old Testament, 
the total of the tithes was 23.3%. Now, a lot of that went to things that weren't the temple or the church or the support of the ministry. Uh, But um, it was still a lot more than 10%. The New Testament doesn't talk about tithing. It talks about giving generously. It talks about giving joyfully. And that's one of the things that we've always done is give joyfully. You know, there will be an opportunity for something else to give, you know, beyond our church and My Life Matters and International Miners Mission and several of the missionaries we support. Um, but it's always, you know, I always go, oh, boy, we've got money to give to that. And when you do give it, it is a joy. And so uh, um, just finally, the thing that always challenges me is Jesus's parable Well, actually not a parable. He was sitting by the temple treasury, and all the rich folks come by and put in what they can. And the poor widow comes by. And you know the rest of the story. And so so Liz and I both speak for each other. So next next up. All right, Terry. Sure. I don't talk much. I'm glad we got a lot of people up here that like to talk because I don't like talking in front of people. So my wife's going to do most of the talking. <laughs> Good morning, family. Um, so, you know, as a family, sometimes you have to discuss things that are a little uncomfortable. And a lot of times when you start talking about money, people go, oh. And then that makes me think about what Jerome says. If you feel a little urge and a, and a need to go, er, you need to examine why you're feeling that way. Everything we have, everything we are, is a gift from God. So why can't we give back? Um, So the first question, why we give, is because it's a means of worship. It's to glorify God, and it's to support our local church family. Also because it's mandated. Um, Proverbs 3.9 tells us that we need to do that. And we were asked why. And uh, when, I can't even read my own writing, when when we were both, uh, Terry and I, were raised in a family that uh, worshipped, and so we were taught at a young age the importance of the tithe. Um, And then as we've grown in our walk with Christ, uh, we've attempted to do above and beyond that. Um, but I did want to preface the before you even started talking, letting you know that you know Gerald said there were some um, elders who were asking for the opportunity to present. We didn't ask. <laughs> we don't like to stand in front, and we sure don't want you to think that they think they've got it because we don't. I'm a work in progress. Every day, God works on me and in my heart um, to draw me a little bit closer to Him. Um, so the practice. Um, it's just a top priority. Uh, it's an obligation. Jason, Aaron? Yeah, I remember um, very early in our time here, um, been here almost 17 years, very early within the first year or two, uh, we called Gerald and Susan and said, we need to have dinner with you. Um, and uh, they would come to find out at that dinner that we were just drowning uh, financially. Uh, I had carried some 
bad practices that I accumulated uh, late high school, early college into our marriage um, that translated into some debt that we had and school debt. And um, in Greenville, where we were before moving here, we both had full-time jobs and no kids. We came here pregnant with our first and um, went to one one income because Aaron very much wanted to stay home with our kids while they were little uh, to raise them and be there for them. And we wanted to make that happen. Um, but we were trying to live um, a two full income lifestyle on one income. And um, it just wasn't working. And we were drowning and uh, just very thankful for Gerald and Susan taking not only that night, but in the months to come, just uh, loving us and helping us through that. Um, and I can just remember during that time as we were trying to make course corrections in our life, um, many times sitting down, writing the check for uh, what we were giving uh, that Sunday tithe uh, offering and um, just having this inner turmoil. It was hard knowing we can't give this and hearing these words of deception in our ears. You know, God would be OK because you're trying to, you know, all these things. And it was a couple of things during that time, I think, that, that allowed us to continue a pattern of faithfulness through that. One was just the fear of God. Um, I remember thinking about that over and over. How can we go to God and pray and ask him to help us get out of this situation, to help us free ourselves of this anxiety and stress and then withhold what is his? And then the other aspect of it was how can we seek first the righteousness of God and his kingdom and not give? Um, and so just working through that over and over, um, knowing that we needed to remain faithful. The other aspect of that was, was belief. God just over and over whispering in my heart through his spirit. Do you believe me? Do you take me at my word? Um, the test me. Yes. And so time and time again, we knew that we had to. And, um, you know, similar to what Gary and Brenda said, I could not tell you how we got out of that season when we were in the midst of it. We, we didn't see a way out. Uh, we were desperate during that time. But um, I think through trying to honor him with our finances and remaining faithful in this area, um, God just supplied what we needed. Um, and so through the years, I think that that has taught us contentment. It has taught us that we have a choice, and we had a choice then. We could pursue a certain lifestyle that maybe we wanted or we could be faithful and just trust that God would add all of these things to us, whatever these things are that we need. And God has always been faithful, and he's done that work to uh, make us content. He, we're not there yet. <laughs> we still struggle, but he has been good. You know what? Go ahead. You know, like, oh, where does money, where does money come from? You know, I mean, we should not be surprised. Mm. Amen. Amen. So... Travis and Hannah, back to you. What adjustments, changes, or sacrifices in lifestyle have you had to make to maintain consistency in your giving? So Y'all had some big changes. Yeah, so we, we took your question and kind of twisted it a little bit. Oh, uh, go ahead. So that we can speak to it. No, uh, just uh, rewording, just remaining consistent through our lifestyle changes. Um, and um, like, like I m- briefly mentioned before, um, you know, we have three young kids, which Hannah's taken time with each boy, which has been invaluable time. Uh, you know, we wouldn't do anything different with, differently with that. Um, but also, um, recently, uh, being able to have an opportunity to, to, to go back to school and, and finish uh, my, my education, um, we, we pondered that a long time, thought about it a lot, prayed about it a lot. Um, and, you know, when we finally got down to it and, um, you know, we're, we're seeing if the numbers worked out, um, 
giving never um, never changed, right? It was the top line item on our budget. Um, it, it, it it was not a variable. Uh, it was going to remain constant. And, you know, like I said, it's our goal this year to even though on a reduced income to, to increase our giving. And it's the math that doesn't make sense, right? And, and Ben, engineers don't like math, math that doesn't make sense, correct? I mean, that, that leads to... <laughs> Uh, errors, <laughs> bad things, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I have you here that uh, Proverbs 3, uh, you know, we're told to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. Uh, and in doing so, honor the Lord with your with your wealth, giving the first fruits. And then, um, then your barns will be filled with plenty. Um, and how that's applicable in our lives is, is, that, is that top line item on our budget, it, giving. Uh, that's that's our first fruits, um, and and um, I highly recommend. Uh, this has helped us with our giving walk. The the treasure principle. I think it's out there in the library. Um, uh, at David Alcorn, he's got this book and, and one other um, money money wealth and eternity or some some along those lines, um, and. It's, it's really helped us. And in his book, he'll, he says, and he just gives a theoretical situation, he says God will take that 90% and make it go further than the 100% would have gone. Um, and if, if I can give a very specific example to that, uh, in, in looking at me going back to school, um, I drive a, uh, commuting to Raleigh every day from Roxborough, I drive a, a 13 to 14 mile per gallon diesel truck, right? Very expensive fuel line item would have been added to our to our budget. Um, well, out of the generosity of their hearts, our in-laws offered a hybrid vehicle that runs on gas that gets close to 50 miles to the gallon uh, for the commute. And so it really made that possible, and that's just a very specific example of how, um, you know, God took that, can make your money go further um, out of generosity. So. All right, Ben and Liz. Yeah, you'll get to hear Liz a little later, so don't worry. Uh, adjustments, changes, sacrifices. You know, those are three questions. And, uh, you know, in our marriage, it all seemed to come naturally. You know, uh, number one, we did take the, the Larry Burkett course, which, um, you know, the, thing, the, the things that he emphasizes, just like, uh, you know, the more other courses, is retire debt, make sure you're saving, and make sure you're giving. And so uh, we retired debt, we made sure we were saving, and we made sure we were giving. Um, And there's always enough if you do that. Um, I'll just have to uh, say that marrying Liz, um, I thought I was thrifty before I got married. But uh, my dad used to say... uh, Liz squeezes a nickel so hard that the Indian rides the buffalo. So, <laughs> so whenever our kids get together. Nickels used to have buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> and Indians. So on one side. Um, whenever our kids get together, uh, they talk about how they used to go to McDonald's. And our oldest, Jonathan, said he always wished uh, they would always get a cheeseburger uh, shared French fries and a water. None of these kids meet happy meals or anything like that. And Jonathan will always say, I always was hoping that they would 
forget and put the mustard on Eleanor's uh, hamburger so I could have more. So, uh, so there, there are ways to economize, and, and we've always done that. Um, you know, we've, we've always done that. We've always bought used cars. Um, one of the reasons, being an engineer, I like to get a used car. You know, as soon as you drive them off the lot, they go down in 25 or 30 percent in value. But by the time they get three years old, you can check the Internet and find which ones are dogs and which ones will last you two or 300,000 miles. And, uh, and so Liz will get the newer car, and I'll take the older car, and I don't think we've ever gotten rid of a car before 200,000 miles. Uh, Dave Ramsey says you should buy a used car, drive it until it falls apart, sweep up the parts, and drive it some more. Uh, oh, and, and that's not to say that there weren't difficult times, because I started a business after we had four kids. Um, I can't tell you how many times we missed paychecks, and I'd be calling because, uh, you know, paychecks were due, and I'd be calling around to get uh, good clients to pay quicker and bad clients to pay at all, uh, and... Uh, and we'd pay everybody but ourselves. And, you know, sometimes we'd go four to six weeks without a paycheck. But you know what? If you've got savings, you can still give. And, you know, God always honored that. God always uh, had just enough. Jason Aaron? Just to piggyback a little bit on what Ben said, we always drink water when we go out to eat, and our kids hate that. <laughs> so does the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Um. So, yeah, God kind of adjusted us uh, Himself by by moving us here. Um, we did go to one income, and we struggled. We really struggled when Emma was first born in those first few years. Um, we really struggled. Um, we did not have regular date nights. Um, we did not have a real vacation for many, many years. Um, and then even when we did, it was because of someone's generosity, like a precious um, Dick Overgaard that just went to be with the Lord. Um, many years we were generously provided um, a way to have a vacation. I think in America we feel like we're do that. We're not. Um, I won't lie, I've been working the past two years um, since going back to work, and we have a little extra money now and have been able to have nice vacations the past couple years. But that's, gosh, two years out of almost 20 years married. Um, so that is um, probably, you know, one of the biggest, maybe not the biggest, but sacrifices that we made. It would have been nice, um, but we survived. We lived. I just want to piggyback on something you've heard several times, that God can make 90% more than 100%. Uh, 25 years ago, before we built all of this, Sharon and I taught a young married couple's Sunday school class at the Open Kettle during the Sunday school hour. And we would meet over there, and one time the lesson was finances. 
And one of the young couples shared a testimony. He's a deacon now, and I didn't ask for permission, so I won't say his name. Uh, but, but he and his wife shared that testimony. And a few months later, a couple, one of the other young couples came to me and said, that doesn't work. We tried it, and it doesn't work. And so we started talking, and it come to find out they were living 20% above their means already. And then they tried to give. And, you know, there are biblical principles. You shouldn't be spending more than you make anyway. That's a biblical principle, right? And so it's not a magic formula. I'm living, a, I'm living beyond my means, and I'm going to start giving too. I just want to hear you. This is not a magic formula. We're talking about biblical principles here, okay? All right. Uh, next. Yeah, and a lot of those principles we learn from, from observing others and just seeing how others live their lives. So, Terry and Sherry, you and I talked about it a little bit. So, where did you learn this, this whole concept? Uh, we got pictures. Okay. I told Sherry I would mess up on this. But anyway, uh, the, my mom and dad are up there in that picture. Um, as a child, before I even knew Christ, I mean, we were blessed, both of us, to be uh, born in Christian homes. Um, but I remember my dad, of course, he was old school, and, of course, this was a long time ago. You know, you get paid, and you get your check, you get your cash, and then you go pay your bills. Um, I just remember as a child, when he went and got his check cashed, he would come home, and it would be an envelope up on the counter. And I think he put it there so we could ask uh, or whatever. So, you know, we would always say, what, what's that for, Diddy? And, you know, he would always explain, and, you know, that's the Lord's. Uh, it wasn't the church's, and that was something important, too. He always gave to the Lord uh, and his tithe. And then, uh, you know, even going through, even at his funeral, uh, the gentleman that spoke at the funeral, you know, he uh, actually was a youth minister at the church we were raised in for a while. But he had, had to come here for some medical issues he had at Duke, and uh, so he didn't have a lot. Well, he said at the funeral, and I didn't even know this, and I think this is important. You know, it's what you do is between you and the Lord. But, um, you know, he just said that how my dad would just slip him money, you know, because he knew that he needed it. So, you know, he taught us how to be generous in what God gives us. And uh, so I'll let Sherry talk now. So, yeah, that's Terry's mom and dad on the right. And on the left are my grandparents. Um, Samuel Wilson and Kathleen Sykes. Grandpa was born in 1916. Give you a little history lesson. Um, they had 11 children. You know, that was back in the day. And he was the sole provider for the family, worked at White's Furniture Factory in Hillsboro. So income wasn't a lot for that huge family. My dad was the oldest, and his um, youngest sister was only 18 months older than I am. And so we were more like sisters than aunt and niece. I spent a lot of time at Grandma and Grandpa's house with my aunt, Deborah. Um, but Grandpa, on Friday evenings, would come home with his paycheck that he had cashed. And on the what-not shelf sat a little white hen. And in that white hen, he would place money. And I always thought that was really strange until they explained to me that was money from his check that first went to God. And so I saw it displayed. I caught it and was also taught it. 
but the rich heritage that my grandpa left for me was not in money, but Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22 says, A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And guys, it's not always money. Um, it's, it's teaching you to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. Um, so the question was, where did we learn it? So Terry and I both learned it from, thankfully, godly parents or grandparents. Um, and then uh, his word and other saints. So just been such a blessing to be part of the family here at Westwood. Um, the pastors and the elders do have a heart for our family. They want us uh, to be walking in the word, and they want us growing closer and growing stronger each day. Yeah, one of the things that um, Aaron mentioned is is I learned it from my mom and dad. Um, every morning on Sunday morning before we went to church, dad would give all of us a dollar to put in the plate when we got to church, which I saw one of our families do just a few minutes ago. You know, they're doling out dollar bills to the kids to, to take and, and, and give. So I don't know that we've ever done this before here, but I want to I wanna see a show of hands, okay? Now, don't hold us to this. I'm just curious about something because this conversation has come up twice in the last two weeks in regard to the topic of stewardship. How many of you miss, and you can be honest about this or, you know, whatever, how many of you would like to see us start passing the offering plate again? Raise your hand. I'm just curious. Okay. All right. I I was just curious about that because I believe that's one of the ways that our children learn when they see mom and dad do something. Um, And I love our Realm app, but my kids never saw me do anything on the computer as far as my giving goes, and they don't see the bank statement. Um, There's just something a little different about Dropping that thing in the plate, I think. Uh, I think we learn from that. So, just kind of an aside there. And plus what Aaron said, I've learned it over the years from people like Dick Overgaard, who gave timeshares to the staff members and others in our church because he knew we couldn't afford to go on vacation. Or folks like Jerry Clayton, who had a house at the beach and wanted us to use the house and unfortunately sold it. Then he bought a house in the mountains and wanted us to use the house in the mountains. So, you know, those kinds of things. And then he sold it. And then he sold it, but I wasn't going to bring that up. (laughs) So now we vacation at his swimming pool in the backyard. So, so, yeah. And drink water. Yeah. No, he did. did. And we take our grandkids to his pool, too. So, all right. Go. So, Gary and Brenda, how have you experienced joy through giving, especially sacrificially? Oh, I get to start. (laughs) Okay, back in, oh no, 25 years ago, we went to on a mission trip to see one of our missionaries and in Peru, which I never thought I would be able to go to a third world country, but I did it by the grace of God. And while we were there, um, we learned some of the missionary families needed some, um, they needed new shoes. They had one pair of shoes. So the church had given us money to get to use as we saw fit for them. Uh, we bought them a stove because Beatrice was cooking on a little camp-like stove thing. So she thought she'd died and gone to heaven because she got a real stove. But also we bought them shoes. 
And I'm going to let Gary tell what I call the shoe story. Well, I've had problems with my feet for years, and I got tired of having feet problems. So we're going to be in Peru for a couple of weeks. And so I went to some shoe store in Durham, and I paid, I think, $120 for a pair of shoes. Our boys thought that was insanity. They wore Walmart shoes. They wore Walmart shoes always. And when the kids neighbor, the neighbor kids came down and said, look at my new Nikes, and they wanted that, we promptly went to Walmart and got them whatever's on sale because that's what we could afford. And the boys never had that. And they saw me with a pair of shoes. It was $120. They could not believe Dad spent that much money on shoes. And so we go to Peru and... We find out that Bill, Bill Lipman, some of you may know him, you know, Madison. Madeline. I'm sorry, Madeline. Anyway, we could not find a pair of shoes to fit Bill. So we were talking. I said, Bill, what size shoe do you wear? And guess what size he wore? The same size as I wore. That's right. So I said, well, Bill, I'll make a deal with you. I brought one pair of shoes with me, and I'm wearing them, and you have one pair of shoes, and you're wearing them. If we can wait till we get to the airport when I'm leaving, I'll trade you shoes because i got more shoes at home. What do you think? He said, okay. So we get to the airport. We trade shoes. You know, I didn't think it was that big a deal. I, I really didn't. I didn't think it was that big a deal to give him a pair of shoes. But I was going to miss my $120 pair of shoes because I never had a pair like that before either. So anyway, we get on the plane, and Aaron, our, our youngest son, he was with us. He was a teenager. Yeah, he was a teenager wearing his Walmart shoes. And he said, he said, Dad, I cannot believe you just gave away your shoes. You never had a pair of shoes like that before, and you gave them away. I said, Yeah. I gave away my shoes because Bill needed them. I mean, he needed them. That was the right thing to do. Aaron just, he was beside himself. He could not believe that we did that. Well, any of you who have been on a mission trip or been asked by others, sometimes you have to raise funds some way. You ask people to support you. You get money in different ways. And one of those ways is you sometimes canvas individuals and they, they'll send you a check. We got home from the we got home from the mission trip, pick up our mail. Guess what was in the mail? There was a check from one of the supporters that said, "Here, this is to fund your your some to help you in in your on your trip." Guess how much the check was for? One hundred and twenty dollars. As we said before, That's you ca- you cannot outgive God. You know, if if I wanted to take any credit for giving away the pair of shoes, and I told this to Aaron, if I wanted to take credit for that, the Lord just humbled me. Because I can't take credit for it. I didn't give away the shoes. I got a check for $120, and then I went and got myself another pair of $120 shoes while Aaron was still wearing Walmart shoes. But I had some comfortable feet, and the Lord just takes care of that sort of thing. You know, so to be tight-fisted with my shoes or my things... The Lord is teaching me that they're not yours and you didn't you didn't even you didn't earn them or provide them. They were provided and given for you. And in case you thought you were doing a good thing by giving Bill some some shoes, well, here's money because you don't get the credit for it. The Lord gets the credit for it. Amen. So wrapping this up um, and, and from all of you. 
all of us have heard, oh, well, that's something, you know, to consider, think through, pray through, that kind of thing. But more specifically, um, and Jason Aaron, I want to ask you this because you've shared some of this today. Um, what advice would you give to other families as they are struggling in many cases? Um, and, and believe me, I hope you don't hear this from anybody up here. This is a struggle in some ways for all of us in different ways. All right? It's a struggle for all of us in some ways in different ways. Okay? So you can conjure that around in your head for a little bit and think about it. So, but what, what would you say to just as advice, as encouragement, as a word in that regard? Yeah, I'll say something. I know Aaron can share something too, but I think... Jesus is the treasure. I mean, that, that is what we pursue in our student ministry. Why does Westwood have a student ministry? Because we want students to treasure Jesus more than anything else. And I'm just not sure if our hearts aren't directed to uh, give in, in all manner. I, I don't know how we can treasure him. And we must believe that. And so often we believe it with our lips, but we don't believe it with our practice and with our lives. Like Jesus is the treasure. And the big deal about giving is, here's the, here's the, here's the deal, brothers and sisters. Our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He does not need anything that we can give. And that's something that I want young people to understand. We don't give because God needs it. We give because God intends that to be a central, vital aspect of our discipleship in shaping our hearts. And only when our hearts are shaped that way can we grow content in Him and truly believe that Jesus is sufficient in all things. We can't say that Jesus is sufficient, but we look for sufficiency in everything else. We can't say that Jesus is sufficient, but only give Him what's margin, marginal. We can't do that. So we treasure Jesus by proclaiming his worth. What is Jesus worth? What is Jesus worth? And the most important thing is his kingdom. We desire to see his kingdom grow. We desire, we desire to see his kingdom come. And if, you know, the truth is we are not pushed along in life by what we know. You've heard me say this before. We are pulled about by what we love. And all of us have a vision of what we consider to be the, the good life. And whatever is in that thought bubble above us that is the vision for the good life, that is where we will be pulled. Mm -hmm. And until what fills that thought bubble is the kingdom of God, we will not see things really as they are. Mm -hmm. God desires to align us with his will. That is aligning us with all that he is doing in the world. And if we are not obedient in this area, it's not just that the church will go without or this may not be accomplished. Our hearts are not going to be postured to be his people. And if we are not obedient in this area, there is only so deep we can go in our discipleship. And as shepherds, that's important to convey. Um, to add to what you said about passing the plate, Gerald, it's not just so that kids can see that and, and learn it. That's a central aspect. But another aspect of that is it is an aspect of worship. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why I would love to see us include it more in the service somehow is because we need to be reminded of that, that this is an act of worship. And our worship is to be sacrificial. We are to be living sacrifices mm -hmm. who proclaim his worth. Mm -hmm. So young people, Jesus is the treasure. 
He is the essence of blessing, not the things that my money can buy. He is the blessing. So treasure him and begin to do that very early in your life. Can I close with a scripture? Sure. Not close. Why? Okay. I agree 100% with what what gives me joy is hearing those little quarters dropping into the offering (laughs) plate as they go by. That gives me joy. And at preschool, we have a... um, a scripture verse every month. And this month is Proverbs 15:13. A thankful heart makes a face look cheerful. And that's it. It when you give, it, you can't give, oh, I got to give my tithe and I need to get this and I need to get No, you need to be joyful. Oh, I get to give this this month. You know, and, it, and it, it will come across in your face, too. It will make you joyful that you are able, that God is making it possible for you to give. Spoken like a true preschool teacher. I can't help That's right. That's right. Yeah. I'll be quick. Yeah. Um, uh, I would just want to exhort um, the young, younger couples, um, married, maybe newly married or still unmarried. Um, This is not a popular thought in our culture, but I would encourage you to budget on your husband's income. Even if you are working, um, maybe prior to children, especially if you want to stay home with your children, do not start to practice a standard of living that requires two incomes. Budget on your husband's income. And when you have children and you get to stay home, you don't miss a beat. Um, thankfully, we, got to, we didn't start in that place. We got to that place. Um, I would just encourage you to do that. Um, and the other thing, just really quickly, we as well cannot tell you how many times we received a gift out of the clear blue sky and... It it almost became comical to us because we, God would provide for us before we even knew we had a need. Mm. So we would get this random reimbursement check in the mail for whatever, and know we're going to need this. And then the very next week, we the oven would go out or something. That happened so many times, Mm -hmm. and God had already provided for that need. Just so many cool stories like that. All right. Thank you all so much. All right. Let's get ready to go to the table now that we've had a family talk. All right. JT, you want to lead us? Let's stand together and sing. Knowing you 
my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you, and known as yours, to possess by faith what I As we prepare to come to the table, I just want to plan in our heads really three words um, to think about for just a second. And we've talked about them extensively already this morning, at least one of them. That first word is grace. We understand what grace is, right? Undeserved, unmerited favor. We don't earn it. We don't, it's, it's not something we deserve. It is unmerited favor of God that is given to us. The picture of that grace is most perfectly seen in Christ, right? The other word I want us to think about is rich. Rich. The world, the culture around us defines rich or richness in a lot of different ways, none of which we will find as the example of true wealth in the Bible. So one of those is rich. The other word is poverty, being poor. And we know what that is, all right? At least, well, let me say it this way. In America, we see it on TV. I'm not sure we really, for the most, at least in this demographic, okay? I'm talking about mainly for us. Um, What true poverty is is something that we see uh, in pictures of the world out there. But So my point is there's a clear difference between rich and poor, all right? That's, That's the basis of what I'm saying. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, he uses these three words, grace, richness, and, and poor or poverty in the same sentence. And he does that in talking about Jesus. And he wants us to be reminded of that in this context of stewardship because that's, that's where he writes about it. He says, you know the grace. You know the grace. All right? Look at the cross if you have to. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first sentence that he has there in, in verse 9 of chapter 8. Who, though he was rich, and rich there is not dollars, it's divinity. Keep that in mind. Though he was rich, not in dollars, but in divinity. He's talking about the nature of God, the character of God, the wealth that God is in himself. That's Jesus, that though he was rich, for your sake, for me and for you, he became poor. Poor here is not poor in dollars, 
Poor here is a picture of humanity. And he didn't put aside his divinity. It's not that he gave that up completely. That divinity was hidden in humanity. He's the God-man, right? Theological truth. Jesus is fully God, fully man. He is fully God and still rich in that godness, but he has now taken on poverty of humanity. So though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Why in the world would he do that for me and you? He tells us so that through his poverty you might become rich. So the very character of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God, the love of God, the majesty of God that is Christ, hidden inside that humanity when he came into this world, he did that so that we could share in something besides dollars. (laughs) Something besides those things that thieves will break in and steal and moths will eat up and rust will destroy. So what's in your bubble? That's a great picture that Jason shared a minute ago. What's in that good life bubble that is in that brain of ours? Jesus, fully God and fully man, set aside that, Paul tells us in Philippians 2, that though he was perfectly divine in every way, he didn't put aside that in a sense of stopping to be that, but yet he left that glory and came here and took on the role of a servant, a slave, wrapped himself in humanity and paid the penalty on the cross for your sin and mine. Do you know that grace? Have you trusted in Jesus? If you have and you can profess that he is Lord, then we invite you to share at this table today with with God's family. All right, that's what this is. It's a family table. And as we come to this table, we're reminded of that grace. The blood that was poured out, the body that was broken, and in it we get life and wholeness. Let's pray together. We thank you today, Lord, that we can come to this table as your adopted, blood-bought, loved, forever children. Lord, this is love, not that we love you, but that you loved us and gave your Son as that propitiation, as that atoning sacrifice for our sin. Thank you, O God, for that indescribable gift. And we thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, guys. In his prologue um, to the Gospel of John, John says, From his fullness we have all received. Grace upon grace. It's just piled up. It's not given out, measured. It's not stingy. Grace upon grace we receive from his fullness. And I, and I equate his fullness with his wealth, with just that generous God that we have. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. This is body represents his body broken for you. And his blood shed for you, the blood of the new covenant. Take it in remembrance of him. Amen. We'll close with prayer. Go ahead and stand up. Uh, A couple of things I want to just point out to you uh, for a matter of prayer. Continue to pray for the Obergaards. 
Dick Overgaard had fussed at us for praying him out of heaven several times. And, uh, and he has finally gone through death's door. And he is alive forevermore. He is with the Lord. And we are, we are uh, thankful for that. Continue to pray for the Overgaard family. The funeral is going to be in a couple weeks here. Um, also, want you to pray for um, the Sportsman's Banquet. The Sportsman's Banquet is coming up um, next Saturday. And if you're a guy and you're in the room, we need you to help us. So there's a sign-up sheet out there, and there's a couple of ways you can help. Uh, this is a, a very large outreach for us. We'll have like 300 guys in the Family Life Center next Saturday night. If you're not familiar with this, we're going to give away guns and a lot of cool things. But the biggest and best thing we give is the gospel. So please pray for that, that opportunity as we, uh, as we get to interact with the community. And one other big prayer uh, request is uh, Lindsay Long has needed a kidney for a while now. Uh, she grew up here and moved to Florida. Her, her dad, uh, over the last several months or a year, has lost weight and got in shape, and he's gotten to the point where he can now give her the kidney that she desperately needs. And so on Tuesday morning, it's one of the most beautiful things you can imagine. Uh, on Tuesday morning, those surgeries are going to happen in Florida. So please be praying for Van and Lindsay and, of course, Tammy and Drew, too, as that happens on Tuesday morning. Um, and as a way of announcement, choir practice this afternoon at 4.30. We're getting ready for Easter. Sarah Murray. Hey. All right. So I'm going to make this really quick. Um, but I feel like God wanted me to share this. So this has been years ago. And you said that your mom embarrassed you last time you did something like this. And it might happen again. Um, but it's been years ago. And... Um, I was really struggling financially, and it was a really difficult time. Not very many people knew, um, but after praise team, I went back to the sound booth, and there was an anonymous envelope in the sound booth, um, and I figured out it was you, and you probably don't even remember that, (laughs) but um, I wish I could say at the time that I was being um, faithful in giving. I wasn't. Um, but it was just, um, very humbling. I was so grateful and, um, it was kind of a slap upside the face, um, from the Lord, like, Hey, look, you know, um, but just your, our leadership and pastors, they definitely demonstrate this. They're the prime leaders in this. They're not asking anything that they don't do their self. And, um, I just wanted to say thank you. And I also wanted to say thank you to, um, I don't have a lot of family around here, um, as most of you know. And um, my dad, he passed away 10 years ago now. So I find myself in sometimes situations where I need help. And every time, y'all have stepped up, and you're my family. And I love y'all. And I just wanted to say that. And um, I'm just grateful that the Lord is faithful, um, even when we aren't. And even when I wasn't being faithful, um, he still was because he's merciful. And um, I just wanted to share that, and that's it. Love y'all. Let's, Pat Roz is here. He, she's in the house. Yay. Pray for, uh, yes. Y'all give her a hug and pray for Jean. Uh, let's pray. 
Lord, thank you for this time we've been able to share with the family. Uh, Lord, I pray that each one's been encouraged, uh, maybe exhorted, uh, but certainly encouraged. Uh, Lord, you desire that we would know you more, that we would grow in you. Uh, Lord, that we would uh, be more and more like our Savior, that we would grow in holiness. And uh, Lord, uh, thank you for the testimony of these folks today. Uh, Lord, thank you for the opportunity to share around the table. Lord, we do lift up these needs that have been mentioned. Specifically, Lord, we pray for Van and Lindsay and this surgery on Tuesday. Lord, we pray that everything would go smoothly. Lord, that there would be no rejection. Lord, that, uh, that you'd guide the surgeon's hands. And uh, Lord, we lift up this family. Lord, thank you that we can trust you in that. Lord, we lift up the sportsman's banquet. And Lord, pray that the gospel would be clearly presented in every way. Lord, from the first handshake and welcome at the door. Uh, till the folks leave and, and, uh, Lord, we pray every aspect of the service, every aspect of that outreach event would glorify you and point others to you. Uh, Lord, thank you again for this time we've been able to share in Jesus name. Amen.